0: Dixon back with you for another Bible Thump. Uh we're in Mark chapter eight and this is an interesting point in Mark's gospel because this is kinda like almost feels like round two of something that's already happened, like very similar story to one we've already read, uh we've already talked about, but I think there's some unique points here that we're gonna point out and kinda dwell on and unpack. Um so this is a super encouraging passage. Um I think it broadens our scope of what we think it means to follow Jesus. Um, hopefully uh, through this, you're going to see, um, the following Jesus isn't maybe as complicated as sometimes we make it feel like, and it's also not as difficult as maybe we, we, we think it is. Um, now don't get me wrong. Like doing the things Jesus calls us to do to like deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Like it's tough. Um, But what I do think we see in this passage is that Jesus invites us to be active participants in what He is doing in the world. And secondly, like He equips us, He gives us, He He gives to us in the midst of our need. He meets us where we're inadequate. Um, So if you feel ill-equipped to be a part of the kingdom of God, you're actually in a good place because you realize how much you need His help. If you think. You have so much to offer the kingdom, and oh boy, doesn't Jesus need you? And uh, think how much he could do through you because of how great you are. You're actually not as prepared to be a part of his kingdom. I think that's what we'll see here. But uh, let's look at it. So Mark 8, starting in verse 1. It's going to sound familiar, but it is a little bit different from something we just read. So uh, Mark 8. Verse one, in those days, there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat. He called the disciples and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way and some of them will have come a long distance. His disciples answered him, where can anyone get enough bread here in this desolate place to feed these people? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked them. Seven, they said, and he commanded the crowd to sit down on the ground. Taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and gave them to his disciples to set them before the people. So they served them to the crowd. They also had a few small fish, and after he had blessed them, he said, these were to be served as well. They ate and were satisfied. Then they collected the seven large baskets of leftover pieces. About 4,000 people were there, and he dismissed them. And he immediately got into the boat with his disciples and went to the dist- dis- the district of Dalmanutha. All right, so what's going on here? So earlier we saw uh, five loaves <laughs> and some fish, right? And 5,000 people. Here we have 4,000 people and uh, just, just five loaves. Um, and there's five fewer baskets remaining. Earlier there were 12 baskets remaining after the meal. Um, so uh, it's almost like, uh, N.T. Wright is, is almost like a dream that you've, that you've had. And then you have that same dream again. You know, you'll have a dream where you're falling. Um, and, and then the next time you have a dream where you're falling, but you also have the wings of a bird or something. I don't know. I'm making this up, but <laughs> you've had that same recurring dream, but each time you have it, maybe there's one small detail or two or three small details that are different. Um, that's kind of what this feels like. It's like, is this for real? Like, did this really happen again? Um, but uh, there, there are things we can see here. There's, there's been a lot of speculation about this. Um, so one is that the previous miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, where there are 12 basketfuls of food left over, um, has to do with the 12 tribes of Israel. And so in the previous miracle, Jesus was in a more Jewish territory. And now here where we find him may be a more Gentile territory. Um, and so, uh, you know, he's just, he's just ministered to a Gentile woman. And he had that playful exchange with this woman where he basically was kind of saying to her, like, well, basically, like, indicating to us that his ministry is far bigger than just to the Jewish world, right? Um, There's no one outside of his scope, of his kingdom, of his kingdom reach, of his kingdom love, of his compassion and mercy. And so... um, Yeah, I think there probably, if you were someone reading this when it was first written, uh, Mark's Gospel, you would have probably gotten some hints that said something along those lines. That's my guess. But really, we don't know. We just speculate a lot here, and we can do our best and, and say there's something special about this miracle happening again essentially this miracle of the multiplication of food happening again there's something special about it that maybe we don't fully get and fully see but there are some special things about it that we can see and that we can get and one is that um this crowd have been with jesus for a while i mean they're there three days and they have nothing to eat um <laughs> that's kind of crazy right like i can't go um i can't go a more like if i go just one morning without eating breakfast i get pretty grumpy and cranky right but these people haven't eaten for three days or maybe they had They have. it's a good chance they had, had some food and by this point they had run out um, but this tells us I mean, we can sort of infer some things here right like hanging out this long with Jesus uh, without taking a break to go get food or, or just leaving and saying hey we're done we gotta go home we gotta eat uh, tells us that Jesus was his teaching was pretty special like I would have loved to know what Jesus was teaching the people at this time that was so compelling that they thought hey, let's I know we're hungry, but let's stick around. Um, let's stick around and see what happens. Um, there is nothing like the teaching of Jesus. Uh, another thing we can see here is that that Jesus specifically describes their situation and sees his own teaching as something that they desperately need. Like he wanted them to stay, wanted to provide food for them because he saw his his teaching as nourishing to them. He called the disciples and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way. And some of them have come a long distance. So like Jesus is concerned specifically about these people's physical needs and wants them to stay and continue to hear his teaching. And the disciples answered him, where can anyone get enough bread in this desolate place to feed these people? So the disciples have already witnessed Mark's no dummy. He knows what he, he reported earlier. He knows that he al- he's already reported a very similar miracle. Um, and yet the disciples don't get it. Like They don't get that Jesus is capable of providing food, of multiplying food, of taking a little and making a lot out of it. And, and, and taking a lack and turning it into surplus, right? He's good at providing for people. He's good at meeting needs. Um, he is particularly equipped as the Messiah to, to do this work. And And he's going to, he's going to do this work. Um, and yet they, they don't get it. We're going to see that theme played out more. Uh, wait for that, right? Because Jesus is soon going to begin explicitly teaching about his coming death and resurrection. And the disciples aren't going to understand that either. So Jesus here is, um, exercising his vocation as Messiah, um, and what do we think about Messiahs, right? This is, I think Mark is highlighting something for us about the type of Messiah that Jesus is. Like the idea, the concept of a Messiah was not unique to Jewish or Christian religion. This is a common um, theme throughout all human history, really. And Messiahs were these people who would come and rescue people from foreign powers and from foreign occupation. They would take oppressed, enslaved, or, or persecuted people— out from under the yoke of an, uh, of an of an oppressor, and rescue them and bring them back to their own land and give them freedom and give them security. Um, and so, that's what we think of. That's what most people tend to think of. That's what most people in the history of the world have tend to think have tended to think of when they think of a Messiah, a rescuer. A, usually, they're a warrior, right? Usually, they're uh, a strong military political leader who's going to come and like take names, right, and take care of business and, like, put the oppressors in their place and bring freedom and security. Um, And here we see Jesus exercising his vocation of Messiah by seeing the needs of people, by just being aware of deep human needs and meeting those needs. So I guess what I want to tell you is, like, following Jesus means... Seeing that type of compassion in Jesus and saying, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be like. Um, Jesus is aware of human needs around him. And part of his job as the Messiah is seeing those needs and having compassion on them. Giving whatever he has to meet those needs. And in this instance, it wasn't very much. I'll talk about that more in a minute. But I want to point out, like, this division that's sometimes present among in Christian circles between, like, preaching the gospel, quote-unquote, and social justice, quote-unquote, is not one Jesus makes, right? Like, there's—I think there's these—there's groups of Christians out there that think if you talk too much about meeting the needs of people or, like, issues of social justice or, like, um, any of those kinds of things, like, that— Um, you're abandoning the gospel and that you're not concerned about the souls of people going to heaven. And you're not concerned about, um, you know, true quote unquote gospel ministry Or then the other side of things. There's people out there that, um, that think if you're, if you're not, um, you know, they're sort of the opposite way, right? That, that, that think like that's all it means to be a Christian is to just uh, show compassion to people and meet needs. But what we see here is Jesus teaching, right he's teaching the people and meeting needs he's teaching them about his kingdom what it looks like to follow him and embody his love and compassion in the world but then he's also he's teaching them these things but he's also living it out he's showing compassion to the crowd so just let go of that that stupid dichotomy like that stupid division it's just not there in the bible so we should reject it you don't have to choose one side there um there's there's a better way, and that's the way of Jesus, and that's the way of teaching people about the good news, and also like seeing this this radical and powerful vocation that God calls us to, this powerful job God calls us to, invites us to, lovingly invites us to, and that's to to be the love of Jesus to the people around us. That's our mission at love Line Nerd. We want to be, we want to embody the love of Jesus to nerds and nerd culture. Um, second thing we see here is that Jesus involves his disciples in his kingdom work. We talked about this in the, the previous miracle that's very similar to this one, but it's important for us to know that Jesus involves us. And he writes says this, and I love it. He says, The closer we are to Jesus, the more likely it is that he will call us to share his work of compassion, healing, and feeding, bringing his kingdom work to an ever wider circle. So, Jesus did not have to involve his disciples in this miracle, but he did. He asked them, you know, what, what you, where can we get enough bread? The disciples ask him, where can they get enough bread? And he says, you know, bring me, bring me your food, the food that you have, um, and has them distribute the food, um, has them ha- have the crowd sit down. And um, Jesus doesn't need us to do his kingdom work, but he wants us. He's chosen us. Um, I've said this before, I believe, but I think it's so true. Like if you love somebody, you will allow them to participate in the work that you're doing. You will invite them to do things that you're doing. You will invite them to participate. Like, um, if you make dinner and your child wants to help, um, you know, if it's young child, especially if it's a young child, you know, they're probably not going to be as good at cooking as you are but you'll invite them to participate in that work. Even if it means dinner isn't quite as good as it could be, or if it means they mess up and you have to fix something. Why? Because you love them. Um, Do you see that in this? Like when we're invited to do kingdom work in the world, it's not because Jesus uh, wants to put a burden on us, but it's because he loves us. Uh, The more important um, a project, the more... um, the more we'll want to, the you know, the the more important a project, I think the more we'll want to be really protective of it. But when we really love people, we'll invite them to be a part of what we're doing. Um, so that's a, I think there's a point there to think about in our relationships with others, how are we embodying the love of Jesus in the work that we're doing? Are we inviting others to be a part? Are we looking out into the world for people who might want to come and participate in the things that God's calling us to do and that we could equip them to do these things alongside us? Um, and even in our place one day, we're not going to. Be here on this earth forever. So are we looking people to pass uh, the giftings and the callings God's placed on us to others? Um, N.T. Wright puts like this. The Christian life, he says, as a disciplined rhythm of following Jesus, involves not only being fed, but becoming in turn one through whom Jesus' love can be extended to the world. Do you see that as your identity that you're one through whom Jesus' love can be extended to the world. As you try to do that, as you invite Jesus to help you do that, as you take steps to embody his love in the world, here's something you need to remember. Your resources will always, always be inadequate. Um, That was the case here. Five loaves. Five loaves and some fish. What are you going to do with that? Most of us would look at that and go like, That's a drop in the bucket of feeding 4,000 people. Like there's nothing can be done with this, right? Like, are you joking? Are you kidding? Like this is what you're you're bringing to the table? Um, But they did. They brought that to the table. (laughs) Look at the beautiful work Jesus did to fill stomachs and to continue to share the good news about himself Your resources will always be inadequate, but Jesus is enough. He can do a lot with your crappy resources, right? So give him what you have. Give him what you have. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week.